Hello and welcome to Two Fat Expats. My name is Kirsty Rice and I've been on the move for over 20 years. My podcast partner in crime is fellow Aussie Nikki Moffat and between us we've lived in, here we go, Indonesia, Malaysia, Libya, Hong Kong, South Africa, Canada, US, Qatar, Germany and Denmark. Um, I've given birth in four different countries, haphazardly leaving placentas wherever I go. And Nikki has run marathons in New York, climbed mountains in Killy and successfully avoided the PTA until very recently. We've both managed careers in both the office and online. Now, we don't consider ourselves to be experts in the land of expat, which is why we continue to get lost and stuff it up. And But that's why we're here. We know how important it is to have your tribe while you travel. And we hope our weekly chats with expats from all over the world will help you feel at home. If you're new here, come and join our Facebook group. We have over 30,000 members in the Fatarati now, and it's the place to find out everything you need to know about your next move. Okay, Nikki Moffat, you are not in Copenhagen. You are on the Gold Coast in Australia. I imagine sporting a pair of gold shoes and some flashy gold jewellery. It's <laughs> a bit of an in-house <laughs> Aussie joke. But how are you? I am fine. Thank you, Kirsty Rice. Yes, I am here and I'm looking out a window and I can see blue skies everywhere, which <laughs> I have been seeing in Copenhagen, but the difference is it's 30 degrees. And I can see the ocean just gently rolling in onto the beach. It's just amazing. Amazing. It has been amazing to be here. It's a week today. Wow. And now you stood up a moment ago to go and close the door and I noticed you're uh, sporting a pair of shorts. (laughs) When was the last time you were wearing shorts, Nikki? I cannot tell you because I do not think it was in any Northern European summer. Oh, yes, when I went to Mallorca in October. So not that long ago, but nearly six months, yeah. (laughs) Um, Nikki, just quickly, because everybody knows that the reason, well, I guess our long-time listeners would know that the reason you are in Australia is you are not you repatriating, but your son is repatriating. He's never lived in Australia, I don't think, has he? Well, we left Australia when he was a baby, so he was born here, which makes it slightly easier when you're repatriating than if he wasn't. I'm not looking forward to doing the same with my daughter because (laughs) were you born here is a big question. But, yeah, no, he is repatriating or moving countries again, as I've explained, outlined it to him to try and make it not feel like the end of the world. When we were on the plane and the the question says, are you going to live in Australia for the next 12 months? He said, you want me to tick the yes box, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) so yes it's been a very big week and uh, I've been responsible for much of the delay in this recording we have had dealt with jet lag we've dealt with I mean goodness 24 hours of travel with masks on the whole time was very Mm. very debilitating it felt a little bit more difficult than just 24 hours of travel normally yeah take your mask off and then uh and then we've been doing all the fun things that you do when you move to a new country except we've been doing it together and um it's so different like you just forget so many things about australia like people here talk a lot Mm. and you're used to well what i mean is yeah i know we're used to conducting conversations in language in people that who don't have English as a first language. Yeah. So the amount of small talk is much less. Yes. And and once you come here, the amount of small talk is much more. Yeah. And my son keeps saying to me, 
do you know that person? (laughs) (laughs) But also I think our customer service are trained to talk more. It drives me insane. And I think I've talked about this before, Nikki, is the same thing. I get back to Qatar, you go to the supermarket, you roll your things through the supermarket, you pay for them. Really, you might get, do you need a bag or whatever? That's about it. Whereas you go to the local Coles here and you've always got to tell them minute by minute what, what's been going on. They are so well trained <laughs> to say, they don't just say, how are you today? They say, have you had a good day today? And you say, yes or no. Have you been busy? Yes or no. Um, and what were you busy doing? That sounds exciting. They really want to. <laughs> It must be exhausting for them. <laughs> it's been quite a revelation. We went into Harvey Norman uh, on one of the first days to get something for my son so he could immediately set up his computer. Oh, we're buying a screen and, and, and a keyboard because uh, we lugged the computer in the luggage. That's a story and a half. And the guy who we were talking to, he must have been all of 24 or something. He talked about young Levi, who was the sales trainee. Um, I see young Levi has been helping you out. And I was like, young Levi? He goes, oh, he's just a trainee. And we had the whole conversation. He said, how did you find us over here? I was like, well, we walked in the front door and someone yeah. asked us what we were looking for. And oh, yeah, that's my girlfriend. She sends everyone over here. And uh, But when people need coffee machines, I send them to her. I was like, that's great. Yeah. Thanks for that. Okay, Nikki, we always kick off with uh, a quick game of would you, could you, uh, as a little exercise to explore our lives in different countries. Now, mine is not going to sound very expat, but I think uh, I think by the end of it, you'll get what I'm talking about. My would you, could you is where would you swim at your current location? Now, obviously not the Gold Coast. I'm talking about Copenhagen. (laughs) And the reason I wanted to ask you this is, you know, I'm in Australia at the moment, but when, when we were getting, you know, writing what we were going to talk about today, I was in Qatar. And it it hit me that when I'm in Australia, I take a daily walk to the beach with the dog. And more often than not, I jump in for a swim, as does the dog. I wear my bathers down to the beach and in we drop. And when I got to Doha, I kind of continued to swim there because they had a heated pool, believe it or not, that you would actually need that in the Middle East. But that heated pool becomes a chilled pool come um, June. But I'm surrounded by water in Doha, but it's really not common to see people swimming. Like you only see them swimming at the pools in hotels and pools at compounds. You don't sort of see it down at the beach. I wanted to know what does life for a swimmer in Denmark look like? Like is there is there a pool at your school? Yes, yeah, so we don't have a pool at the school, but I love the question, what does life for a swimmer in Denmark look like? Because I don't know whether you can call the winter swimming habit a swimming, a swimming, <laughs> but it's, it's more a dipping. Yes. But it, it, it was one of the things that struck me the most when we moved there. We moved there in summer and it was a very warm summer and, and Copenhagen is surrounded by water. It's a port city. It's, it's, it's not an island. And so there's water and it's clo- and it's a coastal. So there's water everywhere and there are city beaches and then people swim from sort of decks into the canals around town. So like it's very, like everywhere's a beach in Copenhagen. And in summer, people are always just jumping in, swimming, 
wearing very little clothing. But the clothing that they do wear in summer is significantly more than they wear in winter when they go in the water. Are you serious? Which, yeah, <laughs> totally serious. <laughs> so in Copenhagen, they have a thing called winter dipping or uh winter bathing and it is the most bizarre thing and I remember I was talking uh, one day to a friend in the US at just walking along I was walking along in my coat with a beanie and uh, gloves and I was walking just at a pier near school now now in this in this precinct it's it's one of those summer bathing places where there's sort of like wooden decky steps that go down into the harbour area so there's sort of you jump in and swim around or whatever in winter people just walk up to the steps <laughs> stop take all their clothes off all their clothes off oh. every single piece knickers and bras everything right walk down like go down the steps like they usually use the steps in winter no, no jumping because that might be a little bit of a shock <laughs> but just go down the steps get into the absolutely freezing water, swim around a bit, get out, dry themselves completely, just standing on the side of the- <laughs> So they've, they've taken a towel with them? Well, yes, but like tiny, tiny towels. Like, Ooh. you know, like not, we're not taking a beach towel. We're just taking something that will just yeah. totally dry yourself. Put all your clothes back on. And continue on your day. Sometimes you get back in your business suit and, or, you know, your work clothes. Like we're, we're not talking, we turn up in joggers and track pads. We're talking like we are dressed in our normal for a day. day. Yeah. yeah. And I said to my friend, I really wish I could take a video of this, but you know, you can't take a video <laughs> of naked people, but it is, it is such a sort of a bizarre thing. And it's very good for your health. Yes. A lot of people say well, it's it very is, good. Thinking, so many Danish people do this chilly winter swimming. Yeah. And I found, you know, when I'm looking for local people, as I've talked about before, I follow people on Instagram and I found this this woman who belongs to something called the Blue Tits Club. Right. And the Blue Tits Club have um, organisations all over Northern Europe, apparently. And Blue Tits Copenhagen, they have a one-piece swim costume that they wear that does have, like, their logo on it. Right. But they swim every Saturday morning in in the cold water with their beanies on. And off they go down and just jump in and swim about and come out. And then they have their thermoses and, you know, have sort of their morning coffee get-together after they've had their morning swim. It's just a really common thing. Yes. for winter bathing it's it's more often than not someone will have done winter bathing yeah. and I was trying to work my way up to winter bathing this winter and I didn't quite get there and I, I, t- I messaged my friend and I said here I am it's 30 degrees outside the water and 20 something inside the water I said I prefer this type of bathing <laughs> but the danger miles ahead because you think Nikki Dr Michael Mosley told us in our podcast of you know just one thing that was one of the things he said, turn the shower on cold yes, for the end of your shower. Seconds, yeah. And I was reading it only last night, you know, as the, you know, one of the healthy tips things, someone saying you should be having a freezing cold shower because of all the things it does to your muscles and how it helps your muscles. And, and, you know, particularly if you're doing weight training or things like that, you don't get that burn, you know, of that pain for the next two days. Yes. But if you have a cold, cold yes, shower. Yes, an ice bath. Yeah. yeah, so they are miles ahead that they're doing that. Nothing could be further than my life in Qatar to see <laughs> someone strip naked and hop in the That's water. Right. 
nothing. And I always think of, you know, a lot of the pools, like I said, our pool will be chilled and I don't mean it's going to relax. I mean, it's going to get colder, (laughs) but a, a lot of people will maybe go somewhere where the pool hasn't been chilled. And I'll never forget my Scottish friend Janice saying, you know, we were all bobbing around like vegetable soup. <laughs> well, I remember someone telling me, oh, we moved to this great compound, but it was a, was a, was a traps for young players because they didn't have a chilled swimming pool. Yes. And so we spent all summer just not being able to go swimming because it's hotter in the water than it was out. That's right. It's the weirdest feeling. Yeah. And I thought, you know, maybe, and the reason I asked the question was, I don't think in all of my moves, you know, seven different countries, I don't think I've ever stopped to go, oh, well, what, what would swimming look like? Do you know, how would that happen? And I am a swimmer. I love swimming, but mm. I don't think I ever sort of went, oh, you know, I remember it was a big thing when we got to Canada, just the disappointment of going to the lake in the summer and the lake was freezing and it was, you know, it wasn't very deep and it just, it just didn't feel, you know, as an Australian, it was like, no, this doesn't feel like summer swimming to me. This all just doesn't feel right. And I think that's something maybe that you got to think about when you're making these moves because it's a it's one of my daily joys in Australia is to just jump in the water and and swim. We're still swimming here now in sort of we're getting to the end of March and it's wonderful because it's still you know temperatures of 27 28 you know during the day so you just jump in and the dog swims around it's lovely. But yeah. I would say having uh, last time we were in Australia so Christmas 2019 we had time on the Gold Coast and then we had time in South Australia near mm-hmm. you. Your water's still colder than the water here. Oh, just do saying. you know what's weird about that, Nikki, <laughs> with climate change is our water at the moment is really warm. And you're oh. right, our water usually is cold and it, it yes. usually keeps me out. I don't want to go in it until about February. Our water has been warm, I think, because of El Nino. They're saying that the water that's coming through is warmer. The currents are moving yeah. warmer water towards yeah. you. And it's right. really okay. noticeable um, because I totally agree. We're usually cold. That's why we attract a lot of sharks where we are um, because we've got lovely cool weather, uh, cool water, I should say. Um, but, yeah, we've we've been unusually warm where I was getting into December going, oh, it feels like February, which is really sad, isn't it? Okay, Nikki, what's your would you, could you? Well, Kirsty, would you, could you listen to podcasts at more than 1.0 speed? <laughs> now, this might not be necessarily an expat question, but it is because when you're an expat, there's a lot of podcasts you need to listen to. <laughs> and I say this because my friend Bryony listens to all podcasts, nearly all podcasts at 2.0 speed. And when she listens with her children, she, she slows it down to 1.4 or so. And I tried to listen to this podcast at two points speed and I can't, like my auditory processing will not let me do it. I can't hear all the words. Not that just we sound like chipmunks, just I, I physically can't hear the words. But I was very interested because we were already having this conversation and then another podcast that we both listened to has had someone contact them and say that they listened to, up to a third of their listeners listen to their podcast at 1.5 speed. So I was just wondering, because I know you listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I mean, Michelle Obama's book, I listened to at 1.25 because I felt she read that quite slowly. But apart from that, 
people start sounding like chipmunks to me and then I can't, I can't, I actually can't hear all the words. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not a, um, I, I don't speed them up. No. Have you mm. ever tried? Like, I mean, a YouTube video where I'm trying to find out something that I oh, need to definitely. do. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I'm, if I definitely YouTube, I think, I reckon everybody speeds it up and jumps and does the 15 seconds and the 30 seconds. Like it isn't even enough to have it fast. I've got to just zoom through. But yeah, no, I think I would find it, I, I feel like I, I need to listen to people's natural voices and inflections. Um so you miss nuance. Surely you miss nuance. Yeah, I think you would. But I, do you know, Nikki? I think I, I think you and I. I remember. Remember, we did a podcast with uh, my next door neighbour Bonnie and her girlfriend, and to me, yeah. they sound exactly the same. And yeah. then, and I didn't tell her. I thought that her and her girlfriend sounded exactly the same. But she told me she thought you and I sounded exactly the same. No, and, I've had people say, "I don't know who you are and who Kirsty is." Like, yeah, for the, because you both have Australian accents, so to me, you sound the same. Yeah, and I think we speak quite slowly. You know, like I always worry we're a little bit boring. for Australians. Yeah. Like I think sometimes we're a little bit flat and boring. Maybe we would, maybe we're better at 1.5. Maybe that's, maybe that's what Brian is trying to tell you. Well, anyway, please let us know if you listen to us at more than 1.0 because I'm really intrigued by this trend now. Yes. And I always wondered how she got through so many podcasts in a day and now I know she listens to them so fast. Nikki, I actually think that would make a great T-shirt. I'm better at 1.5. <laughs> That is a good one. Nikki, this is a real question because this is something that came up in my world recently and blew my mind. And I asked it in the Two Fat Expats Facebook group to sort of see whether it was something that's happening now. Would you or could you pay for the cost of your job interview if it involved you having to fly to another country? Yeah, I, I found this really interesting. I read about it in the group at the time. Mm-hmm. And although we have never been on the old traditional expat package where, <laughs> you know, all the nice things, usually to fly to another country for a job interview that has been provided to my husband. like, yeah. And on more than one occasion, I have also flown and done a, like a recce on on the account of the company who is going to employ us. So, I mean, that is not something we've ever had to consider, but I have Mm. seen it coming up more and more often that Mm. people are being asked to travel for interviews and then saying, well, if you get the job, you get it reimbursed or whatever, or you Mm. can pay up front and have it reimbursed or no, you just come and see Mm. us and see how that is. So my answer is, would I, could I, I don't know because it hasn't been presented to me. I would be a little bit skeptical and have I done it? No, I haven't. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, no. And it came up in conversation. Someone was talking about, and I really want to protect uh, the person and, you know, the company they work for. Cause yep. I, but um, someone was talking about a situation where they had been invited to interview, like they'd got through the first and second stage. They'd been invited to interview and they were asked to provide at their interview their proof of their um, study um, to be all documented and that they, you know, their marriage certificate and whatever. Because 
I guess they needed to know for the package that the person was, you know, married and whatever. Um, And it had cost this person a lot of money to get that information because they'd had to, you know, then send off to get their university stuff done and they'd, they'd had to get sort of gather stuff that had basically cost them in the thousands to get notarized and um, organized and, and whatever. It had cost them a lot of money. But then they got the job, but then they ungot the job in that they were told, well, we're very, very sorry well, we thought we'd had this position, but we now don't have this position. Sorry about that. And then they were asked again <laughs> later on to come back. So they then got offered the job again, you know, two or three months. Later, oh, well, actually, now we do have this position, whatever. But when he gave them all the receipts for everything, they said, oh, no, 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 we never said we asked you to get it. We never said we'd pay for it. And in the general conversation, there were people saying, oh, yeah, this is happening more and more and more, where you get asked to provide X, Y, Z or whatever. And then when you, you know, you've done it all and been successful and you say, okay, well, you know, this is how much my flight cost or, you know, this is how much it cost me to stay in the hotel. You know, it's tough luck. Well, we didn't say we'd pay for it. We just invited you to come and interview. I know. And I was thinking, no way can you do that. I mean, now it seems ridiculous in a time of COVID that anyone would need you to come. Right? Yeah, to fly and physically yeah, be in a location. Yeah. And I think, you know, in the old days, everybody was given sort of the option of, would you like to come? And then you can sort of see what it's like here and decide whether you could actually yeah, because live here. Exactly. Because you don't, that's part of staff retention, right? You yeah. don't want to get the job and then sort of get there and say, well, I don't really like it here. Yeah. Like, this is weird. Yeah, this isn't what I thought it was at all, do you know? Um, and, you know, that that kind of happened to a degree with G&I when, because um, I knew having lived in Libya, I knew I didn't want to live on a compound. I wanted to live in an independent home. And part of the deal with the company he worked for was you had to live on a compound. And so it was a real thing for us because I was like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not going. You're, you're on your own. <laughs> if you want to go, you Off go. you go. Off you go. go. But I am not living on a compound. And I think it was so I had this attitude about compounds. I think I'd met too many people that lived in Saudi who had told me that people just walk straight into your home and, you know, that it becomes all too familiar. And it's not right. like that at all. Once you live on a compound, it's not like no. that at all. The kids live like that, but the parents don't. Um, but, you know, I remember G went and, and I was making him take photos of absolutely everything because I was not going to agree to it until I'd sort of seen how it was. So, uh, yeah, you know, and, you know, the hotels are really expensive and, I just I can't imagine. I think, God, have we got that cheap now that we're making people pay for these sort of things? You know, and cheeky, just really yes. cheeky. I think it's an it's an indication of of the actual the competition in, for international jobs. Like that, yes. more people are prepared to do it. Yeah, and the so companies are like, well, we don't have to offer what we used to offer because yes. you know we can get who we want from 
you know, a range yeah. of a range yeah. of things. I think if you're inviting someone to apply, that's a little bit different. Yes. Like that's super that's cheeky. What I think. Yeah. But if you are if you are saying, here's the job, if you apply for it. So say you're in Australia, you apply for a job in Dubai mm. because you want to live internationally. I can see the people in Dubai saying, well, you applied, like, mm. you know, like if, how, how does that look for you? Yeah. You know, in, unless you're sort of doing sort of senior C-suite, you know, executive recruiting and then that would also be in- included. But I think for your regular, you know, just starting out, mm. whatever, it, it's not, it's probably not going to become uncommon for, for you to yeah. have to do that. And you're just like, oh, well go and have a holiday while I'm there or something. Yeah, and that was the reason for my question is I just thought if we have any potential new expats listening, make sure you qualify that when you get asked because I think so many, I mean, it's kind of like being asked out to dinner and someone saying, would you like (laughs) to come and try? And then, then telling you at the end of it, well, actually you're paying for both of us. (laughs) I don't know. I just, yeah, I just, felt like it was really it was really cheeky but if that is what's happening maybe people need to make sure they qualify exactly how it works a hundred percent Kirsty we were talking just before the podcast started and I, I want to know would you could you live the same life in two countries if you're splitting your life between the two yeah you can't you can't you can't have the same life in two countries unfortunately you um and i know nikki you hate the term geographically schizophrenic but i always find that it explains exactly how i feel um you know particularly now when you have children spread across countries and and it is it is you you do have your heart in two very different places and yeah, it's really hard. Look, I think I think we talk a good game when we say how easy it is now to travel and move and talk and, you know, keep up to date and whatever. I think we think that we're doing it very well, but every now and again we get a good slap in the face that, well, when you're not. I'd be interested to know, Nikki, because this is a new thing for you that you're just doing now that you you have come to Australia. You know, like you said, it, it, it all is so different when you get here. And I think when you're away, you think you know what it's like in the other place because you've left it behind and you think it's just like that. And then you get back and you're like, oh, no, this is nothing. I mean, you get off the plane in one place or the other and it smells completely different the air mm. is completely different the pace is completely different the clothing is completely different the customs are completely different um and you have to adjust it and it's the dumb stupid things i was telling you before nikki that I have the same breakfast in Qatar most of the time. I don't know why, but I do. And I have a certain sort of yogurt and I have a certain sort of fruit and it's not accessible to get here in Australia. And for some reason, I then switch it up and eat something completely differently. (laughs) The amount of time I spend going for a walk or sitting on the couch or working or the relationships I have with people, everything is completely different. And I know it's a weird thing um, because writing for me is something that I love to do and it sorts my head out because it makes me realise how I think and feel about things. But I really struggle to write when I'm in Australia. But I 
get to Qatar and I could write and write and write and write. Do you know, like I have time and space. Wow, that's interesting because Mm. you've been in Australia nearly for two years and then going to Qatar. Yeah, yeah. And then you just say it was like inspirational outlet. So how are you going splitting your life? between the two yeah no really awfully so but uh, (laughs) which is why I asked the question so and you know it's taken me a week to do this I was like yeah yeah I'll do it tomorrow like I was arriving on Thursday night yeah yeah I'll record the podcast tomorrow Friday yeah no didn't happen and every day I've just got to a point in the day I'm like what has and where has my day gone like what have I done how effective have I been yeah you know like I've, I've tried to do a walk every morning and you know, and then a couple of jobs with my son. There's a lot to do when you're setting up all the administrative stuff. And then I, then it's time for me to log on to my job in Europe because it's Europe wake up time. So, yeah. you know, like, and then I don't get to have dinner necessarily every night with, you know, my dad and my family. And it's just, you know, and then it's so weird. I just, <laughs> I cannot imagine. I mean, to do it over time and to have a home base, like I'm staying in temporary accommodation, all that kind of stuff. It might be a little bit different, but I totally, I said to you, this is so much harder than I thought it was going to be. Like I thought I'd come, I'd just Get you know, wake done. up mm. and then be, be a whole new thing. I could have my, my other life, my Copenhagen life here, but just be in a different order in the day. But it just, it just yeah. isn't like that at all. Yeah. And it's a time difference is crazy as well. It, it obviously depends where you are. I think you could, you could split your life between Hamburg and Copenhagen quite easily because you're crossing the border, you're in the same time frame, you know, you could have put different people in different places and still felt that you were close enough to them, do you know? Whereas I know G has spent this week in Singapore and all of a sudden it was so much easier to talk to him because there was only a couple of hours difference. We were in the same headspace and, you know, I know what I've the conversations that you're going to have first thing in the morning are quite different sometimes to the conversations you're going to have at the end of the night and the speed and how much time you've got to talk and whether you've had your morning coffee or not. I don't function without a coffee. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it is. It's very, it's, you feel like a different person and you do live a very different life. Okay, Nikki, three favourite things. I'll kick off if you like. I cannot believe that I didn't mention this last time, but I have watched Starstruck Season 2. I'm so jealous. I I think it's even better. Well, you can watch it now you're here because it's on, I think it's on ABC iView. So Perfect. Yeah, you'll be able to watch it. So for those that can't remember, uh, Rose, and I think you recommended this the first yes, time. Yes, I did. I loved it. Yes. I loved it. Rose Matafea, right? That's right. And Nikesh Patel. Season one, it's a millennial in London juggling two dead-end jobs, navigating the awkward sort of morning after the night before when she discovers that she's sort of accidentally slept with a film star. And just how that rolls out is absolutely hysterical. But so season two, you think, well, how is this going to work? And it is sort of the continuation of how their relationship works with him being a film star and her her life sort of really being the same. But they have that beautifully awkward, what, what are we, what is this? They show that awkwardness so well where it's all new, the first holiday season, the whole first gifting, the whole awkward voice notes, um, just 
getting through phone sex, uh, meeting family members. It's really, really good. Um, oh, I love it. So it's them as it's like not a different story. Like it's no, still it's them. the same story, just continue. Oh, yay! I'm yeah. I really love them. Like people said that there wasn't a great sexual tension between them, but I just loved how awkward. I felt they were meant yes. to be awkward. Like there wasn't meant to be a great sexual tension. It was just yes. like we're not watching Bridget in here, people. Like it's yeah. just meant to be like awkward real yeah. life stuff. Yeah. So I loved it. Uh, I watched it with G when we were in. Um, Kata and it was I think we did it all in one night I'd watched one episode and then he kind of jumped on and we watched it all in one night it was fantastic my other favorite favorite thing is somebody somewhere somebody somewhere is one of those fabulous shows it's a lead lead character is Bridget Everett and she plays Sam who's uh, a Kansas. A, what are you? You're a Kansan if you're from Kansas. So she's a Kansan sort of on the surface, but she's struggling to sort of identify with her hometown. She's come home uh, and, we, and we kind of pick up that she must have come home to look after her sister and then her sister has passed away and she stayed in Kansas. And it's one of those fantastic series where there is nobody perfect and nobody looks great and she is a, you know, a, a middle-aged, hapless-in-romance misfit, Do you know, and but it's also beautiful in the relationships of everybody in the cast um so we kind of kick off with we see her sort of working in a group environment where it's all fairly miserable and she's obviously out of place and not not feeling it and someone invites her to a church meeting and it all rolls out that the church meeting is actually sort of the rainbow community that is behind the scenes that are just meeting on the down low and telling jokes and singing songs and just a place of beauty. It is a really, really lovely series, Somebody Somewhere. And you get all different cast members from uh, the oldies, the parents who are the true Kansans to the sister who's vastly different than her, who's got the little homeware shop, which is really, really kitsch south. Um, it is really, really good solid TV. There's flawed characters. Um, you know, I just thought there were people that looked like my family and quite often you don't see that. You only see the perfect people. I absolutely loved it. And the last one is, and I, I think this has been out for years, but it's one of those ones that's been out for years, but it's just popped up on my Netflix filter. And that was the Betty Broderick story. And it's under Dirty John. I really don't understand why they've done it this way. So remember Dirty John, the podcast? Yes. And then we yes. had Dirty John, the Netflix series. Yeah. Well, the people who produced Dirty John, I think, have then gone on to produce the Betty Broderick story and it mustn't have worked at the time so anyone who can remember uh, and anyone our age would possibly remember the woman whose husband had an affair with his secretary and his wife basically walked into the house one night and shot them both and she was your classic middle America blonde uh, you know the first wife and 
it's Amanda Peet plays Betty Broderick in this and it's she is so so good I just can't believe she didn't win anything for it because she's so good but it's one of those series where you immediately start to google to try and find the real Betty and what happened to the real Betty and what was the real story behind it I remembered Betty Broderick because she was on Oprah and she had this really solid story that a lot of women could identify with in that her husband was totally gaslighting her and telling her she was crazy to think he was having an affair with his younger, you know, new model. And um, you sort of listen to her story of how she's trying to raise kids and he's just, you know, filtering money to different places and then he starts this wonderful new glamorous life with his new glamorous woman in in Betty's old house (laughs) and you think it's a terrible thing but you think good on you Betty I think I would have done it too Um, (laughs) but he basically drove her crazy absolutely drove her crazy Um, so yeah it's a good one the Betty Broderick story I wonder what her kids. Oh, think maybe that's now, what that Amanda Peet was doing when she was meant to be on the the, um, the Gilded Age. No, I'm sure it wasn't. But uh-huh. uh, I've talked before about how she's meant to be in one of the roles on the Gilded Age, but it was filled by somebody else. And uh-huh. I can't imagine her doing that role. But I'll, I'm I'm interested. I'll go and have a look at that. Now, Nikki, you mentioned Bridgerton before. It comes back anytime today. Now. Is it today? Today. <gasps> 6 p.m. today. And I was, my friends in Hamburg were like, let's have a watch party because we've done so many online things over the last two years. I was like, dude, I'm going to be in Australia. And when it drops at midnight, I'm on it. Like, I'm not waiting for you people (laughs) nine hours later or whatever. Anyway, and then last night I was up at midnight because I've been working uh, on European hours in the evenings. And I checked and it wasn't out and it wasn't out. I was like, where is it? (laughs) <laughs> and I Googled an article and it says, oh, here's the times it's going to drop around the world. It's going to drop at 6 p.m. tonight in uh, Sydney time. So there you go. There you go. Okay, <laughs> Nikki, tell me your three favourite things. Okay, so I did, when you say that, I did try and get a tweet going on Netflix about how tough it is in Europe right now and could they just drop Bridget in early for mm-hmm. us because I thought it was like, you know, we need something to keep our spirits up. Nordic Netflix account liked my tweet. I was like, here we go, here we go, and then it went nowhere, so a little bit sad about that. One of my three favorite things is there's an Instagram account called Zookeeper Guy right. and he's the zookeeper at Copenhagen Zoo. Right. And I'm sure there are lots of zookeeper Instagram accounts around the world, but I just happened upon his account and it's just lovely. It's just lovely. Like, okay, you have to agree with the concept of zoos, which is sometimes difficult for people and animals, but he just, he just takes a behind the scenes look and talks about all the animals that he looks after and sort of has, has this little Instagram account. Well, little, it's quite a big Instagram account. He's got quite a big following and it's all in English. So you don't have to worry. It's not in Danish. One of the things that I put on here was The Dry, which is a Jane Harper book that I read a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Well, not a long time, a few years ago. It's an Australian book. And then the the movie's on Amazon and I'd heard a few people talking about it, so I went to watch it. It has Eric Banner in it as an Australian. It's all Australian, which made me sort of like, you know, I was coming to Australia, so I guess I was getting a bit nostalgic. I wanted to sort of get a feel for it or whatever. So I watched it. I really loved it. You know, Australian outback, the country peeps, the whole thing, the, just the scenery. It really, it was, you know, maybe I was nostalgic or reminiscent. I don't know. Have yeah. you seen it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, read the book and seen it and great movie. Eric Banner's amazing. He is. Absolutely. 
uh, two more. I'll save the other one for another time. But As We See It is on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. It's a show about three 25-year-olds who are autistic and they live together in an apartment. Which they have a support worker. She's not living. Then the cost is split between the three families. Yeah. The actors playing the roles of the autistic people are autistic, which is great. It's yeah. a big step forward in, in, yeah. in presentation online and, and, and in, on screen. It's sold as a comedy, like when I read a review or something, but it, it's it's actually a little bit more dramatic than a, a yeah. comedy. It's done by um, Jason Katims, who did Friday Night Lights and Parenthood. Uh-huh. So he introduced autistic roles into, and he has an autistic son. And it's just real. Like it's about these people who they just need a little bit of help with life skills and sort mm-hmm. of like, and they have different ways that they need help. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, I guess I, I'm bringing my son home to Australia. It was just really, it, it's a lovely series. It's very touching and, but it's also very real. So I watched it with my husband and it felt very real to him. So, mm-hmm. you know, some of the challenges faced by by the people in there, you know, n- none of them is totally representative of anyone in our family, but there were some similarities between some of the people on there and their reactions and how mm-hmm. they needed help and support. And so we watched an episode together and it felt sort of a little bit real. So if you have um, an ASD or, or an autistic young adult in your life or you're going to have one, I think it's actually you know, not, not a bad series to watch. It's just to sort of see it. And, and for anybody, like it's, it's an enjoyable series mm. to watch, I think. And it, it just, I think it's, it's just showing more and more. It's just giving more and more representation to yeah. adult autistic people, of which there are a lot. A lot of representation on television is like child, autistic children yes. or, you know, the Rain Man scenario or the Big Bang Theory. Like these are just normal people trying to live their lives yeah. and, and the challenges that, that they face. So that was a really, a really good one. I just want to give one more favorite thing. And I know it's a fourth, but I, I hope everyone can indulge me. Absolutely. Um, my last favorite thing this week is so many of my friends in Europe and in Hamburg particularly have taken Ukrainian refugees into their households. Mm-hmm. And so they have mums and children with them that they are integrating into their own family lives and, you know, they're communicating with translation apps and they're, you know, taking their kids to their kids' sports together. And it's just been really, really heartwarming to see that, you know, you feel that it's so big. And when you're in Europe, it just feels like such a lot at the moment. And you see all the Ukrainian refugees and, you know, everyone's donating and whatever. But to see people who I know and, and who are just actively every day doing this I, I just it just makes me a little bit teary that mm. people there are such good people that are able to do that yeah yeah absolutely and I you know it's that whole thing of location you know we talked last time about where it's a little bit uncomfortable that there are so many people in Syria who are yeah you know and people in Ethiopia people in Yemen you know all going through the same thing but it is, it's the proximity for you, isn't it, Nikki, of that people yep. can get across a border and make their way. Um, so you you maybe are more able to do stuff because people can get out easier, I guess, rather than getting on a boat. I mean, in Australia, it's a gazillion times harder to, yes. to offer that you need people to get on a plane, particularly in current circumstances with COVID, et cetera. But yeah, that's 
that is absolutely beautiful and i think you know we need we need more of those human stories don't we I think so because the the other thing is is that you know and we have um at our school in Copenhagen we have new Ukrainian students who are at a school in Kiev an international school and mm-hmm. they've come to Denmark and now they they're at our international school and so it, it, you need to, to see the interaction and maybe next time you know Syria Yemen Ethiopia there'll be a different kind of understanding when all these mm-hmm. like whether it changes or not I don't know but having these people in our daily lives and hearing their stories and sort of being able to help them and being able to understand they were just like us, they were living lives just like us and they've had to to leave their country because mm. of these terrible things, um, you know, a war. Uh, it's just, yeah, I, I don't know, but it's it's really, I just, I think it's fantastic what everyone's been able to do for them in mm. Europe. And as you say, it is proximity and it is close by and I do understand you know that but i but i think that you know that like and and so i've got friends who are you know because these there are people that have to sit all night waiting to be allocated to families and so there are they're sitting all night with no food or anything and so there is other people organizing soup kitchens to go out and to be like feeding the people who mm. are waiting to be to find somewhere where they can go and stay and yeah. this is this is a huge mobility of people and uh, expertise and resources and it just i think it just shows that there is a you know such there's, a caring community yes that there's kindness and goodness yes in the world yes totally okay nikki is that us for this week are we done we're done we're done that's it okay uh i'll see you next week okay bye-bye <laughs>